Greetings, fellow imps. I'm Imp Fossil Tom Hensky, and I'd like to welcome you to From Nowhere to Now Here, where incarnate memories prevail. Like many incoming first years, I entered the university a blank canvas. You get it, nowhere. But four years later, I grew to now here. And when I look back at that transformation, it was the friendships that I built through the imps that were a huge part of that growth. But where did everyone end up? I'm going to take us on a journey to find them, to catch up with the friends we've lost touch with. And in doing so, my mission is to rekindle these amazing relationships. Imp Nation, we're back. Man, I got a fun one today. I got a good story behind my man, Graham, too. But um, thanks for tuning in. It's been great talking to you and getting texts from everybody. I went to the Duke football game the other day. I think it was like the final score was like 48 nothing. That was like so awesome to see. I wish we could have better. Awesome. Yeah, I wish we had basketball results like that. So things are going well in Charlottesville. But today, Graham Lizer, what's up? Hi there. What's up, M Nation? So, all right, let's just hop right in. Like, give me the scoop of where you grew up, the background. You and I weren't in school at the same time. We have a funny catch-up story that how we met after I finished college. But give me the background in the beginning, and then I'll hop in with my story. So go for it. Sure. So, hey, it's great to see you and uh, great to be on the podcast. Uh, I listen to them all religiously. I, uh, so I uh, grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, but originally I was born in Scotland, uh, which explains the weird spelling of my name, Graham, for those that don't know. Um, but I was at UVA from 94 to 98, and I was a biology major there. I also majored in the 200-yard backstroke, member of the, the swim team at UVA. And, uh, you know, I look back on uh, my UVA time very fondly. Okay. And so where else were you looking besides UVA? Do you remember? Right. Yeah. So actually, it's a kind of a funny story. So, you know, growing up in Raleigh, the, you know, everybody there is uh, kind of a, uh, is part of a tribe. Right there, either NC State, Duke, Carolina, Tar Heels. I mean, they're all those colleges are so competitive with, with one another. And growing up there, um, everybody was part of part of these tribes. But I didn't grow I didn't grow up in that. My family wasn't from North Carolina, and so I kind of gravitated to out, not pick a tribe within that and tried to go you know sort of outside the tribe. And actually, got a hat much like the one that I'm wearing to, today, which was the uh, the big orange V um, with a blue hat. And very early on, I started just getting attracted to all the compliments that I would get about the hat <laughs> in, in, uh, in Raleigh. And so I went to Broughton High School, which is in downtown Raleigh. Uh, I, was, I was a swimmer. And um, as, I, as I grew up, you know, maybe like yourself, Tom, I would go to like, you know, big swim meets in the area. So um, uh, you would probably go to big college uh, sort of soccer matches in the area, perhaps in New York, but I would go check out the swimmies and I was always very drawn to the intensity of the coach at UVA at the time, a guy named Mark Bernardino. 
And he was a great coach in the 80s, 90s, um, and then even into the 2000s. Uh, and what attracted me to the, the UVA team was one, his intensity, his passion, and the swimmers got better. Like, because I went to all the swim meets and I would see them when they would come down to swim Carolina Duke, NC State, um, I saw all the, play the swimmers get better and they were better every year. And that was a consistent track record. And some of them were swimmers that I knew, you know, from the area who, who, who would, who would uh, compete for UVA. So um, swimming was what really attracted me to, to UVA and, and the coach in particular. Um, I did take a trip there and loved the school. A recruiting, a recruiting trip was uh, uh, pretty intense. I'll say I was a late bloomer. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't kind of the strongest swimmer and I hadn't committed anywhere um, to, to go to college until like um, April, out of April of my senior year, I hadn't committed anywhere. And uh, uh, Mark sort of dialed me up late in the game and uh, I rearranged a trip. I think I missed my high school prom to go to UVA on my recruitment trip and uh, loved it. And um, you know, haven't looked back. It was probably one of the biggest decisions of my life at the time. Where do you go to college? And um, it's been, you know, a, a dream to have gone to UVA um, and and ultimately, you know, be, be an imp. So the one question that Imp Nation wants to know is at what point as a swimmer, do you get comfortable walking around in that skimpy bathing suit? <laughs> um, so most most swimmers, and there may be a few exceptions, but most swimmers have been wearing the skimpy bathing suit, you know, since they were very, very little. So it's just kind of a thing that happened. And you do get comfortable with it. The ASC opened up in 1996, and that was kind of a pivotal year for me or because I had been two years at the Honesty Pool, which is now gone. It was part of the sort of the U-Haul complex. And then the last two years of my time at UVA was the Aquatics and Fitness Center. And you, with the Aquatics and Fitness Center, we had an Olympic-sized pools, you know, a diving well, the, the gigantic jacuzzi, you know, weight room, you know, weight facilities, you know, that were kind of all our own. And it actually attracted a lot of, you know, swimmers to to come to come swim at UVA. I mean, it was a it was a big step up in terms of our ability to recruit. We had we always had the best coaches, I thought, but uh, the facility, you know, you know, accelerated things. And so um, one of the things that we did, uh, so swimming is a winter sport and uh, volleyball is a fall sport. And so we actually went to some of the volleyball matches um, as uh, swimmers and we would wear 16 items of clothing and, the, the, and we would take off a layer, right? And when the UVA volleyball team <laughs> scored. And so by the end of the match, you know, you, you, you UVA had, uh, you know, gotten, had won the game, we would be in our speedos at the, the UVA volleyball game. So they were struggling for attendance. You know, we tried to try and help them out and help them win some matches with our, with our uh, routine. And in turn, we, we were hoping that the volleyball players would come and watch our uh, swim meets in the new facility. So there's always been um, a connection with, let's say, some of the non-revenue sports, swimming, rowing, cross-country, 
at UVA trying to drum up attendance. So we did a lot of partnerships like that with, uh, with our brethren in the athletic department. And that was a fun one related to the Fido uh, attire. I love that. I've got a great marketing idea if you want to pass it along to the volleyball and the, the swim team. So what if you went one more article of clothing down and then it's like you're streaking the volleyball, <laughs> just like you're streaking the lawn. We could put like a replica rotunda on one end and we could put the Homer statue on the other. And so when they get to that 16th point, you just bear it down and you just run around the thing. You, you, you kiss Homer in the butt and you come back around and then you go, you, you, you know, get all clothed again, 16 articles. How about that? Like, that's what my marketing brain's amazing, right? That's a, that's a great idea. Definitely drum up some attendance for sure. I mean, the swimming now is like on a separate level. I mean, the women won a national championship last, last fall. Um, they had a couple Olympians, you know, this past summer in uh, Tokyo. And so it's going to be quite an experience for the UVA swimmers this fall um, with all the the added attention from all those those successes. So that's cool. So then you you like tell me about your first year. Where were you in the dorms? Give me some first year experience. What was it like? I know <laughs> so, it was yeah, years I, and probably like seven decades ago. So you might not be able to remember any of that stuff. But do you, do you have any memories? So when I started at UVA in '94, I I was at the in the new dorms. Um, so I didn't know there was one other person from my high school who went to UVA. Um, she went, was in the old dorms on McCormick Road, um, and I was roomed with another swimmer that I didn't know, um, but we lived in Lyle, uh, which was right next to the treehouse and O'Hill. I think the treehouse is probably gone now. Lyle is now gone, um, but, uh, you know, I was a biology major, so I spent a lot of time in the Gilmore um, in sort of starting classes there. Um, I can't remember if that's still around, but the, you know, that was kind of, you know, the, the, the academic side of things. I, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, like, I, I joke around, but it did spend a lot of time with the swimmers, the swim team. And it was a great experience because that first night I said, I didn't know anybody. And that first night swimmers came and picked us all up and showed us out a good time to have a good time and stuff like that. So you had like, an immediate family, which was, which was great. My roommate was from California, not a soul. He didn't know a soul. And so we kind of partnered up and uh, we partnered up with a couple of the guys from Florida. Um, and uh, we got through the first year, first year together. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, UVA's UVA first year is such a fun experience. Yeah, so let me ask you, uh, you know, I'm into really into financial literacy. You and I were talking about it last time we were chatting. How is it budgeting your plus dollars when you live right next to the treehouse? Were you you the type of guy where you get your plus dollars and you just blow through it all in the first three weeks and just with late night meals? Or what, what was your gig? So I so it's funny that you talk about uh, you know meal planning, right? So the swimmers could eat eat like no one else, right? So we would have practice at 6 a.m. on Saturday mornings if there was a football game. So we weren't, so on Friday nights, we were going to volleyball games, right? <laughs> um, so we would, you know, we would devour when 10 o'clock rolled around. And I think the, cafe, the first cafeteria to open on a Saturday morning was maybe like 10 o'clock. 
kind of runk or something. And everybody else is like still fast asleep from the night the night before. Uh, but the swim team, we kind of roll up and just like eat them out of the, the buffet. Oh man, um, I remember, you know, you could eat anything. Like what is Michael Phelps or Lance Armstrong, their calorie intake during, you know, during training is just ridiculous. And it's like that today, you could eat anything and it would still melt away, you know, based on all the workouts and the yardage that you're putting in the pool. Um, but yeah, the treehouse was a, was a common hangout. It was the one parking lot kind of near the new dorms. Everybody would get parking tickets there because there would always be like a college, you know, one of the college security, university security guys ticketing people at the treehouse. Um, and it was actually, I think it was like a, a 70s design. It was a pretty cool looking building at the time, but uh, it didn't quite fit in with the rest of the, uh, the classical architecture. Uh, I don't think it's there anymore, but I mean, the dorms, they didn't have air conditioning. They had to have air conditioning now, you know, it's just, it was brutal. Um, I rode my bike everywhere. So, so give me some stories. What are some stupid things you did your first year? I know you did a few, come on, give it up. So yeah, I probably, I didn't make it to my first college football game. Um, there, there, uh, we had a very tough swim practice and we went straight into partaking uh, and some beverages, and I didn't make it to the first football game. I think that was probably be one interesting story. The, the other thing is that um, the, as part of the, the, we'll call it the hazing ritual, it was harmless hazing ritual, but uh, we had to carry around the goldfish as swimmers. So if, you know, some, I guess some first years might have to carry the senior, you know, fourth year's bags on the buses or that kind of thing. You know, going to class for an entire week, I had to carry a goldfish with me and it would like plop it down on my desk. Um, there were some fun experiences. Like we had some um, training trips we took to uh, Florida and one week, one year, my fourth year, we took to Venezuela to go train. Um, that was amazing. Um, you know, my fourth year going with my, you know, some of my best friends to uh, Venezuela uh, for a training trip was a, uh, was magical. Um, in terms of uh, joining the the imps, yeah, I was, I, I, yeah, you're gonna get busted for that. I heard that there was some performance enhancing drugs that uh, my man Phil Gates and DJ Gallagher uncovered. So, <laughs> what happened with that? Come on, come clean now. It's, it's statute of limitations is gone. You got your you have your diploma. So tell us. I mean, were you using the performance enhancing drugs? What was going on? <laughs> So I, I can't remember, I, it must have been maybe the fall of, of my, or the spring of my third year or the fall of my fourth year. Um, but one of, the, one of the swimmers quit uh, the team and you know that week, and I was a team captain, I was a student athlete mentor like yourself, involved in shootout cancer with you know, yourself and Amy Mitchell um, and a few other amps, uh, but uh, one night, it, I think it was, I think it was a Sunday night, right? When they did the tapping, right? So, um, had Phil Gates, who I, who I knew from the pool, um, but didn't know very well. Um, he and, uh, another imp, DJ Gallagher, DJ was a swimmer. Um, I think he's from Long Island, Manhasset. And, uh, they showed up at our, at our, at our house on Sunday night and wanted to see me. And I was like, 
okay, what's uh, you know DJ is cool. Why is Phil here? Like Phil's like a townie, you know. He's he's not a not a student at the time, you know. Like what is he doing here? And right away they had these very serious looks on their face, and that the dude who had quit that week was implicating me in performing in the performance enhancing uh, uh, drugs, steroids, or something to help him swim better. And he was implicating me as the provider of the, uh, and I, I was freaked out because it was, you know, I was kind of, I was team captain, student athlete mentor, kind of uh, close to graduation, at least on the back, back side of things. I was like, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble for this. Craig Littlepage or Terry Holland is going to have me, uh, not to mention my coaches. And so we get in the car uh, and they drive me to college in college in and uh they uh they they kind of reveal what was going on and they had me hook line and sinker with this practical joke on you know performance enhancing drug they had me scared to death and then you walk in and everybody's singing and chanting and everything and so it was just a magical uh experience uh getting inducted to to the M society uh, that year. And, uh, you know, since that time, uh, you know, I've gotten to know Phil very well. Um, he's been a great mentor to me. Um, I can call him during triumphs and tragedies and, uh, he actually married me and my wife. So he was the officiant at our, at our wedding. Uh, we got married in Charlottesville. And so, um, he's a very special person to me and, uh, Kate, um, you know, going back a long ways, but yeah. And I want to come back. I knew, to I knew him. Sorry, go ahead. I want to come back to that Kate story. Cause there, that's a good one too, that I really like. But before I go into that, let me just pivot a little bit. So then what year did you get inducted into the AMPS? Do you remember what year it was? So I, I, it, my memory fails me, but I think it's, it was, would have been the fall, uh, spring of 97 or the fall, yeah, spring of 97 or, or, or fall of 97. I graduated in 98. So I, I don't, I, I think I had maybe a full year with the imps. And did you do any, uh, any crazy stuff when you're an imp that you could talk about on our PG podcast? <laughs> well, I mean, the tappings were, were hilarious and I, uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, strong memories of Ryan Hargrave singing, you know, singing various songs in, uh, in the college in, um, Ryan and I went to, uh, the continental tire bowl or something like that after he graduated when UVA had a pretty good football team. Um, what, what I think about is mainly, you know, the, the great friends and the lasting memories from that time. I mean, I did do some tappings, did lots of singing and dancing in the street, did some pitchforks, uh, and I love going to the chapel. I think when I look back on it, you know, the imps opened up like a whole new community to, to me beyond sort of the athletic department, swim team, um, the, the, and I, it got me really involved in sort of the student athlete mentors and the, and the shootout cancer, um, which was kind of in its infancy at that time. But, uh, uh, it was a lot of fun getting in, involved with with that. Yeah, one thing explain to everybody what the student athlete mentors was because that actually is a common bond for the two of us. So why don't you just give people like the fifteen second on what that is? Sure. So it's like there's 
you, each of, each of the athletic teams has kind of like a team captain, but then there was sort of a uh, a group of individuals that were selected to be sort of I don't know uh, peer counselors, if you will. Um, so if someone had like a, a challenge around alcoholism, drugs, weight, body issues, that kind of thing, it was sort of a trusted peer counselor that one could go to um, at the time. And there was some training involved and some perks. You got an, a cool t-shirt, <laughs> which I sometimes wore at, at parties, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was uh, it was a good it was a good program uh, because a lot of people for a lot of people it's a period of growth and they they have they have challenges. Like I think the T-shirts, I can't believe I remember this. This is pretty like Rain Manish of me, but uh, I think it said, "I'm Sam, call me." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sam, and it said student athlete mentors on there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. So then that's weird. Where our worlds. Uh, intersect because you were still, I think you're probably a fourth year. Okay, you get offered a trip to go to, I want to say it was Chicago for right. the nationwide version of the student athlete mentors, whatever that was. And who'd you meet there? You. Yeah, <laughs> me. You remember? Well, I that? think the organization was called um, NSAA, maybe National Student Athlete Alliance or something like that. And that actually started at UVA um, with the education school. And like you said, I think it was definitely either my third or fourth year. Um, they took a couple of us as representatives of the school to you know, go to this conference. And students who had similar programs around the country came to Chicago. And I'd never been to Chicago before. But two or three of us from uh, UVA went to the conference, and there, uh, you gave a, you gave a pretty impassioned uh, speech to the organization. And uh, I think you referenced, you know, the UVA program and some of the shootout cancer stuff that was going on. I can't remember what exactly you were doing at the time. I'm sure you do, but uh, it was it was interesting to see you, you know, as a uh, successful student athlete at UVA, you know, come back and, and give back. Um, at that time. So yeah, we did connect. It was, you know, it's probably 25 years ago now, but uh, that's when we first met. That's crazy, right? And so, the, and the only thing that's going through my mind as you're telling that story is, did we have the audacity to drink at that conference? <laughs> yeah, the short answer is yes. I think I, I was I was 21 at the time in Chicago for the first time. And I definitely went out and had a beer um, while I was in Chicago. It was like free trip to Chicago. Definitely. <laughs> Further proof of the university's questionable choices in terms of who they're putting as a student athlete mentor. But all right, we'll leave exactly. that one before we get into more trouble. So then, all right, you graduate, right? So what's going on after graduation? Yeah, so I, I mean, gosh, I am probably one of the few people who maybe who stick, stuck around Charlottesville, you know, after graduation. I think, I mean, I know people go back to school, of course. So there's a lot of folks who do graduate work, go to business school, medical school, law school, et cetera, education. Um, I had to go out and get a job. Um, and I managed to get one that put my sales territory um, in Charlottesville. So I got a job in 99 with uh, Glaxo Welcome at the time, it's a pharmaceutical company. And I sold pharma, pharmaceuticals, asthma, 
COPD, um, antidepressants all over Central Virginia. Um, I got a free car. It was great. <laughs> I drove. Um, I drove all over Central Virginia, but I made my base um, Charlottesville. So um, I did that for a number of years, and uh, it was fun. I got to stay in Charlottesville. Got to stay, season takes football games. Stayed in touch with you know some friends in school and. Like I said, I got to know, you know, some of the imps. I, you know, I was one of the fossils who would still come back from time to time um, in the late 90s to, to visit the, the chapel and see what was going on with everybody. And um, it's also where, you know, I met my wife. So in- Yeah, wait a second, before Earth you hop in, like, you know, everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, that's too sweeping a statement. A lot of people have, this vision of twins, not having <laughs> twins, but twins. I'm gonna let your mind go wherever. You had mm -hmm. an experience with twins. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I had, um, <laughs> we had, I, so I would, uh, when I was in Charlottesville, I, you know, I was friends with, with a set of twins. Uh, I won't share their names on the podcast, but one of them went to UVA. And one of them went to William and Mary. And um, the one who went to William and Mary had a friend who is now my wife, um, you know, decide to, she decided to kind of go and find herself in, in Charlottesville after she graduated. I think she maybe spent a little bit of time in DC, but then she went down to Charlottesville to try to find herself and figure out what she wanted to do. You know, like, like a lot of folks are that age, she knew that consulting um, wasn't her her thing and so she joined a small startup company she worked a little part-time at uh, the Princeton Review or Kaplan Testing Center you know, she did some lifeguarding she just was kind of figuring things out um, and we so yeah so we the, the William and Mary half of the twins suggested that we meet up right and we sort of agreed that we would meet up at some time or they said, hey, go meet Graham. Um, he's in Charlottesville. He knows, you know, what to do and where to go. And, you know, you don't want to hang out because you're grad postgraduate. You don't want to hang out the corner. You want to go to the downtown mall, this kind of stuff. And so I actually was um, thinking about going back to business school. And so I went to the Princeton Review and she, you know, was there at the front desk and we ended up, you know, figuring this all out, maybe because there's not so many people named Graham in Charlottesville, especially the way that I spell it. And she was a Kate. And so we kind of put the two and two together. And, you know, I was in a certain space in my life um, at the time, and she was in a certain space in her life at the time, and things just didn't jive. But Charlottesville being what it is, we would run into each other from time to time, either on the downtown mall or whatever. But uh, I did some open water swimming, um, you know, after graduation. And I think it was a New Year's resolution for her in one year where she decided to do some swimming as well. And um, she ended up running into me at the swimming pool. And um, that was kind of like the second date. <laughs> and so uh, we kind of uh, connected after that. And, you know, we really haven't looked back. Um, so we got married uh, at, at King Family Vineyards in, in 06. And so this year was, gosh, 15 years of wedded bliss. So 
there's a kind of a roundabout way of coming, you know, coming together. There was probably about a year gap between our first and second date. Uh, but given that Charlottesville is a small place, we ran into each other a lot. It was bound to, uh, bound to happen. And I'm glad that she came around. And so then where did you, you eventually moved out of Charlottesville, obviously, right? So yeah. where'd you move to? What happened? So I, so as I said, I did, um, I did the GMAT for business school. I went to the University of Georgia for business school and I ran into Cole Kelly down there. So I think he had me over once or twice while I was at uh, the Terry College of Business in uh, Athens, Georgia. Cole and his family were, I don't know, they were just start, starting out there. And I think he just had done the camp. Um, it just started with the camp uh, that he's in now. And I, I enjoyed listening to his podcast earlier on this season. Cole is a great, great gentleman and a great guy. And he was the king um, of the imps when I was there as a, as a graduate student and uh, enjoyed connecting with him and his family and just catching up with what he's doing nowadays through the podcast. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, let's not forget about his family. His dad was the one who suggested he go to Virginia when they were walking on the lawn and he saw the girl in the bathrobe, right? So, you know, he's, his father isn't a, an imp alumni or a fossil, but he's gotta be an honorary with that type of type of mindset, right? Totally, totally. And I, I remember Cole being, having, wearing many hats and just doing everything at, at UVA from golf to Sam to imp to, uh, gra you know, the graduate work. I think I took he was a TA in sports psychology when I, when I took it. So, um, he, great guy. Did he give you an A? <laughs> I don't think he was my TA for, I, I particularly, I think I got an A in that class. I think it was a fairly easy class. Can you imagine you walk into a class <laughs> and you get assigned to Cole Kelly as your TA? Oh my yeah. gosh, that would have been yeah. awesome. Best yeah. thing ever. Oh yeah. my God. The only thing yeah, better would be Applejack, right? <laughs> Having Chris Applejack as your TA. You don't even need to go to class at that point. I love it. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So then what happened after grad school? So after grad school, we, we moved north. We lived in New York. And we lived in Westchester County um, on the wrong side of the tracks, in the Yonkers side of the tracks. But I, <laughs> Yonkers. Uh, you got to say it like Yonkers. That's how yeah, you say it. I, I, I'm, I'm happy that I didn't pick up the axe. <laughs> there. No offense, Tom. Um, you know, I was going to say, yeah, you realize that you just get, you just digged on me with that. But all right, that's all right. We, no offense. The beauty of this is I can edit you out, but you can't edit me out. So we'll <laughs> see how that plays out for you the next time you try something like that. That's, that's, that's true. So yeah, we we um, we moved up to Westchester. I worked for IBM um, in their market research department and uh, worked on sort of customer satisfaction and loyalty research, which sounds boring, but it was uh, it was formative for me in terms of like helping me understand data, crunching numbers, um, and executive level presentation because some of the stuff that we did would go all the way to the top of the organization in terms of their performance metrics, right? So how satisfied are your customers? What is the value that, that, we're, that we're providing in terms of loyalty? And um, so, but I love living in New York. Um, Kate and I, we did it all. We didn't have kids yet. So we, Madison Square Garden, Broadway shows, all the things that you do as a tourist, we knew that we didn't want to be there forever. 
she's actually from Western New York um, in Buffalo. And so we, you know, we, we stayed there for three, three years and she went to graduate school. So I had my turn at UGA and she went to her business school in New York. And um, that's when she was recruited to Eli Lilly and company here in Indianapolis. And like, let's pick on Kate because she knows she's, you know, she's going to be listening to this. So I want to know, Kate thinks she's super connected to UVA because of Thomas Jefferson, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, she always says something like, you, you know, UVA, like Thomas Jefferson couldn't get into William and Mary, which is her alma mater. Um, and uh, so, you know, he had to form, you know, you know, University of Virginia. She's always got something to say. We have a little bit of healthy banter about the two public universities, which are awesome in the in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah, you, you know, William and Mary is a, a, a close second or maybe a distant second, but you know, it's a, a distant second, a distant second. All right. Well, OK, we'll leave that one before we uh, cause a divorce on that. OK, cool. <laughs> So, and then um, when did you, you didn't have kids at that point, but when did you have kids? So yeah, Maisie, my oldest was born in 09. So we actually moved from New York to Indianapolis in October of 09. And Kate was eight months pregnant. She had like this pre-maternity pre leave where, you know, we, where we, where we moved here and we started, you know, anew in this town that neither of us had ever you know, really kind of pinpointed on a map. Um, but we knew that the, the, um, the cost of living and raising a family would be, you know, fantastic here. And um, the job that she was offered was a great one. And so we decided to move and I was working remotely for IBM at that time. So baby number one came in 09 and uh, her name's Maisie. She's now 12 years old in sixth grade, or sorry, she will be 12 in December 1st. So not quite 12. Um, and she's in sixth grade here. Um, so essentially middle school. And we see tendencies, a tween tendencies coming through a little bit, a little bit of drama and stuff. But she's, she's bright. She's smart. She um, is into dancing, isn't into acting. And, um, you know, is, is not into cotillion, but we, we make her go to that anyway. Good, you're a good father. I love it. And then, and then tell me about the younger one. So Corinne or Rennie is our honey badger because she won't take no for an answer. She's great. She's uh, eight years old. She's in third grade. Um, she loves to cook. She loves to bake. She's also a soccer player um, and a swimmer. So she, uh, she needs to burn off her energy. And in fact, she just started flag football. And they, the first year that they've offered flag football, um, at the church league nearby and she is uh, for girls at Kate's the coach and it's fantastic to watch them play flag football uh, really enjoying that They're, the team is the Broncos and so we've had a lot of fun watching eight-year-old girls play flag football that's awesome that's so <laughs> such a great thing for girls to be able to do nowadays it's like can imagine like yeah. 30, 30 years ago that wasn't happening and now all of a sudden boom <laughs> like a regular. Yeah, it's amazing. It's great. And so how's work going for you now? What are you up to? So yeah, about 10 years ago. Um, so we moved here 12 years ago, about 10 years ago, I jumped from IBM and moved to Eli Lilly. And so what I, you know, from a work standpoint, I'm in this role 
um, where I'm kind of early on in our development pipeline. It's a pharmaceutical company, so I'm back to pharma, uh, doing market research. I focus on pain. So our, we talk about opioid, the opioid um, situation here in the United States like all day. And the teams that I work with um, are sort of scientists who are developing novel pain drugs. And so we have multiple therapies that are being evaluated in, um, in you know, osteoarthritis, neuropathic pain, chronic low back pain, migraine. So um, it's very exciting stuff. It gets back to my biology degree, but it also taps into the market research background that I have. So we, we, I'm a, sort of at the bridge of innovation. So I'm like the commercial guy who can speak to the scientists or I'm like the science guy who can speak to our business unit leaders. And so I'm kind of at the bridge of, um, of that part of, uh, part of our company. And, you know, I think last year in, um, you know, with the whole, with COVID, you know, the pharmaceutical industry or the innovation around vaccines and antibodies was kind of at the forefront of, you know, everything. So everybody kind of learned what a phase one trial is or phase two trial is and oh, what about the regulatory approval process and all this stuff. And that's like the kind of work that I do on a daily basis, but in this specific disease state. So it was kind of cool to see the work that I do kind of come out in the forefront during the pandemic with all the, the vaccines and the therapies that were being used and all the chatter about what's good, what's efficacious, what's what's hitting the minimum bar, et cetera. That's basically my day-to-day -day in a nutshell, but with a much longer timeline than last year. That last year was sort of record-breaking and it was fascinating to see it, you know, occur so quickly. It really opened my eyes as we were to, you know, just focus on one thing, put all our resources on one thing, one therapeutic area, you know, what could we, what would we do with, I don't know, Alzheimer's disease, which is an area where there's a tremendous unmet need um, with nothing that, that really works. Could we do something, you know, on the scale of the vaccines, you know, in a similar way? Um, it just, it's, it, it was, um, it was cool to see the innovation on display last year. Yeah, let, let me ask you a question about that. Let's say we're at an imp march, right? And we're we're not we're only an hour in, so we're not like we're drinking the tuna, but we're not like you know we we haven't had three hours of tuna dr drinking, and but now we're doing that today, and you have all these cool stories. What like if there are like five of us standing around that trash can drinking, and you were just telling a good war story? Give me a good war story of something that like people like me would listen to that story of what you do for a living right now and say, "Wow, that is really cool." Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, one of the most exciting things that that we've done in the last few years is we brought a um, a um, migraine therapy to market. So for the longest time, um, you people have suffered from migraine headaches, right? And if you have multiple, many of them each month, you're, you're better off treat, you know, getting a preventive treatment than, than you know, treating them as they come. And so the teams that I work have worked with and supported have actually brought a, you know, one treatment to market called Emgality. It's been it was been it's been ad advertised during the Olympics, um, and it has uh, 
but that class of therapies has you know, transformed migraine treatments in, in many ways because people can, you know, this was specifically designed for the disease and it's been life-changing for many people. We listen to social media, we see the impact that this class of medications has, has had. And it's been so thrilling to see the positive results um, from this drug that you know, was initially discovered in the labs of Eli Lilly and company. The other one would be what my wife has worked on, which is the antibody. So we have um, at, at our company, you know, we have developed a treatment for COVID antibodies. And my wife, you know, last year, Kate was on the phone with, you know, the FDA and you know, all these organizations trying to get this medication out to people. And it got what's called emergency use pro, you know, authorization. Um, and so uh, this is sort of a provisional approval and until more data is available and <clears throat> the vaccines had the similar thing initially, emergency use authorization. And so these, these, these drugs, this, this antibody is available for people who've treated uh, who, who have been, um, have a positive test, are at risk and have, ha are having symptoms, they can go and get this, this antibody. And it's, it has saved lives. It's kept people out of the hospital. It's been an amazing, you know, story. I wasn't directly involved apart from making sure she could work 24 seven because she was. Um, but that was thrilling to see, you know, in terms of the war stories, it was thrilling to kind of see that sort of secondhand and, and, and through her on what her team was able to do to, to, to you know, get it approved by the FDA and get it out to people as fast as they did. Uh, you know, when you start to hear stories like that, you think about all the struggles that we have at work to get things done and things seem to take forever and a day. Um, but th it was cool to see over the pandemic that things got fast-tracked like that, right? So that oh, was yeah. cool. So, and like speaking, speaking of struggles, like we always talk about like the good things, any struggles going on for you? Like any, any things over the last 10, 15 years that have been more difficult, you know, just keeping it real? You know, I, I, I can't say they're all kind of first world problems, right? <laughs> I, uh, uh -huh. I, I have no, no concerns, no regrets. I mean, we, we've got a wonderful uh, situation here in uh, Indianapolis. Um, we miss the East Coast for sure. So I think that's probably be one of the, 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 the more challenging things is that we are, you know, a little bit far removed from our family here. Um, the Midwest is, is freaking cold. But, uh, we, uh, it's a nice quality of life here. Um, we wish, I think we wish family were much closer. But, you know, we have, we have real, really no complaints. It's, it's kind of strange to call our children Hoosiers. I thought they would either be Cavaliers or, or um, Yankees or um, Tar Heels, you know, but they're, they're actually Hoosiers. And, you know, we don't really know what a Hoosier is apart from somebody from Indiana. So <laughs> it's just kind of a weird thing. But, um, you know, we, we we're doing very well here and uh, we're excited to, you know, come back to Charlottesville from time to time. Our next trip is in December. Hope to go to a women's basketball game with the girls. So no complaints here uh, in the Midwest. You know, speaking of Charlottesville, now that you're many years removed, how did that whole experience shape your life today? So, I, yeah, I saw this question and I thought, 
you know, um, what, you know, I think, I think that the, when I think about the academic world, I think, uh, you know, UVA's insistence on kind of like taking those variety of classes. I mean, I took Zen Buddhism and cinema as an art form and sports psychology and history of jazz. Some of the guts alongside you know, the hard classes like statistics. I think UVA, you know, helped me, you know, kind of be curious about lots of different things. And maybe that's how Thomas Jefferson was. He was just so curious about, you know, the world. So I think that's probably shaped me in some way. I think the swing team has helped me stay persistent. You know, like, you know, things, things were hard then. Um, <laughs> and I've, no matter how, you know, how tough, you know, it gets in the working world, having uh, folks scream at you on deck, not necessarily the coaches even, just like, you know, let's move, let's move. Um, swimming was a tough life. It taught me to be very dis disciplined, right? So 6 a.m. Saturday morning workouts, that's discipline, that's work ethic. Um, and I think that's helped shape who I am. I mean, I did that in high school as well. It's just very different. You're swimming with some of the best athletes in the country when you're, and you're playing with the best soccer players in the country in, in division one. So it kind of ups your game just by the people who you surround you with. And so who you're surrounded with. So I think that's, you know, a major part of, um, you know, what shaped, you, you know, UVA. And then there's just tons of friends that I have from UVA that I still keep in touch with um, from Phil Gates to some of my swimming, swimming buddies like DJ Gallagher, Doug Finch, who was also in Amp. We roomed together after college. So it just had, and you can pick up conversations with those folks at any point in time, you know, no matter how long it's been since you've actually chatted with them. So uh, I think that's a couple of the key things that UVA shaped my life. And that probably dovetails with this other question that I love asking, which, you know, like, so if you're back in Charlottesville and you're visiting with the imps, right, you're going to impart some words of wisdom. I bet you some of those words of wisdom dovetail nicely with what you just said. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the people, it's all the people and you know, people that, you know, um, and, and that, that can be challenging for me. Sometimes I kind of consider myself a little bit of an introvert. So, you know, coming into the imp society and, and, and being, um, being part of that group was just a, such an exciting group of individuals. Um, they're the, 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 the movers and shakers of UVA at the time. And I'm excited to see, you know, the updates from the M Society, excited to see what's, what's going on with, you know, with um, the current group as well as the, the, uh, the fossils. So I think it's all about the people that you meet there and the connections that you have um, and whatever, it is. Well, I would, I would fight you on calling yourself an introvert, man. Holy cow. You, <laughs> I like, like when we spoke about two weeks ago, I mean, there is no evidence at all of being an introvert, but that's all right. I'll let you like claim that you are. And we all know that you're not, you're the probably huge extrovert. You're just, you're undercover. So, all right. Fast and fun fact questions. Do you still drink tuna today? Uh, no, I can't say that I have, um, I would love to, I'd love to, I'd love to do it again. I can't say that I have an aversion to it, but I'd love to, uh, toast some tuna at some point in the future. So I'm open to it, but I haven't had it, uh, uh, lately. 
I got my Bodo's fix last weekend. What's your Bodo's <laughs> order? So yeah, I you know as a as a townie, as it were, I uh, I actually have sort of three different. I go I got breakfast, lunch, dinner. You know, different options, right? So <laughs> I I actually would go with like a. I this is a weird one for breakfast. I would get like an everything bagel, egg, cheese, and tomato. That was my go-to for breakfast. Always and always get the coffee, right? And then lunch and dinner would be you know, they've got to have a Caesar salad. You walk out of uh, walk out of Bodo's with some massive garlic breath, and you get their Caesar salad. So I always get the Caesar salad, and then I get uh, I I so. I, again, I haven't been there in a couple of years, but you know, you mentioned on some of the previous podcasts that they don't do toasting anymore, but they definitely like, they used to heat things up. So if you've got like a roast beef or like a, a pastrami bagel, this would be my lunch or dinner order. I'd get like a pastrami with some Swiss cheese melted on it with a little horseradish. Oh man, that was awesome. I, I love, I love Bodas. I remember when the Bodas on the corner was take would take like it took like three or four years to to open. I mean they had to sign out and I think it was a second year when the sign went out and I don't know the whole backstory. I'm sure there's a good reason for it, but like it didn't open for three years, but the sign was there. And it was a big celebration when they finally did open that one on the corner. Um, but by that time I had graduated. But I lived close by. I was like, yes, I could go to photos photos before you know, before class or whatever, but they never, they didn't open for three years. It was the strangest thing. Yeah, this probably falls in the category of too much information, but when I had my bagel over the weekend, or it was like a, I had a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich, it was so hot, I did burn the roof of my mouth. I'm feeling <laughs> it a little bit today. So I can verify yeah. what you are speaking the truth that that mm -hmm. is still hot and maybe no toasting, but I don't know what they're doing there, but there it can still be hot. So don't worry, alums. If you're going back, you're still going to get your Bodo's bacon. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, we're about to sign off. This time flew with us. Any uh, words of wisdom or things you want to leave us with? Um, you know, keep it simple. Love one another. Stay connected. Um, and I look forward to seeing you all and, and hearing you all soon. I, hopefully there's a reunion in the works of some sort and we can make that happen. I'd love to re re reconnect with everybody. Okay. And I got a little tease for the next episode. And that tease is there was an epic joke that was done by the imps last week. And we're just waiting for the, for the, for the smoke to clear before we... <laughs> go within our group of 200 plus here and share it but it is one that will make you proud that you were an imp so how about that so stay tuned for the next one and i'm not going to tell you where i'm going to tell you in the interview but i'll break through just so you have to listen imp nation awesomeness graham you are phenomenal brother so good catching thank up you. and thank uh, you We've got some fun interviews coming up again. If you have someone that you think I should interview, just uh, hit us an email, connect two of us together and uh, you know, let me get people on. So I'm going to start to do this a little more regularly. I had a little bit of a gap in programming, but yeah, we're right back on the horse right now. All right, awesome. Imp Nation. Thanks so much. It was great talking to everybody and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care. Hi there, Tom here. 
Before I let you go, I want to tell you about my other podcast, Total Sense. As you may know, after my time as an imp, I went on to become a financial advisor. Okay, stop laughing. Don't act so surprised. In each episode, I share advice to parents about how to talk to kids about money. As a parent, I know how difficult that money conversation can be, so I hope you'll listen and find it helpful. It's Total Sense, C-E-N-T-S, as in money, available anywhere you get your podcasts.